so my my thing um right that i focus on the most is um the christianity and relationship to uh anarchism and like that understanding of the world um and so i think that like for me that paradoxical nature of faith as something that is intrinsic like doubt is intrinsic to faith mm -hmm. i think that having those reversals instead of uh 100 percent kind of uh, like prima facie, just accepting the base level of things, I think it's like integral to understanding any kind of complexity in terms Absolutely. of faith at all. Hi, my name is Leo WT, and you have found your way to the Conversations Podcast. Conversations exist to create spiritually minded conversations about life. We desire to create safe space for dialogue and community. We desire to come together regularly and intentionally to generate conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Everyone is welcome at the conversation. All right, friends, it's Leo WT here back with another episode of Conversations. Thank you so much uh, for choosing to spend your time listening to me chop it up with people that I find interesting. If this is your first time here, hi, how are you? Uh, we get together once a week to have in intentional, spiritually minded conversations about life, belief in the intersections of the two, and absolutely everyone's voice is welcome as a part of the conversation. If you know me, you know Leo WC, you know I like to shake things up a little bit and kind of turn them on their ear. And so today I have recruited a digital confidant of mine um, who I actually met through one of my classes this year at grad school. And we're gonna be doing a little bit of a different take on Christianity. Um, my TikTok blew up last week and one of people's favorite comments was like, oh, you're not a Christian or prove it to us. And I'm like, since when did like I owe you that? You know what I'm saying? When I'm coming to you uh, as a person who is admittedly religious and engaging in, you know, multiple decades of spiritual education. And so I want to talk to my dear friend here. My, my video is mirrored. Oh, there we go. I want to talk to this guy <laughs> about some different takes on Christianity that you might not have heard of. So I'm going to let my friend introduce themselves and then we'll get started. Yeah, so hi, my name is uh, Hunter Sanders. I'm uh, studying for my Master's of Sacred Theologies at uh, Chicago Theological Seminary. Um, I'm currently a teacher living in Oklahoma, um, but largely um, I'm just, I, I, I think religiously, that's kind of like my area of study. And so thinking about new radical theologies or way ways of, uh, you know, cognating the Christ, the Christ person, um, you know, Christianity generally. Um, that's kind of what I do. So I love I'm happy it. to be happy to talk about it. I love it. Part of what I've been saying to people recently, especially part of the dialogue I've been trying to develop and, and help foster is the idea that some people say, I don't take my faith serious enough, or how can you say you're a Christian if this, that, or the other, but do you really take your faith and what you believe seriously if you don't push back against it? You know what I mean? And so for me, I'm trying to push on the edges of my faith and my understanding of theology and my understanding of, of you know, morality and life and all of that. I'm constantly trying to push on it because I don't want to have let myself be boxed in in some way that's not intentional, you know? Right. Yeah, I had a, I had a conversation with a guy um, this last week, actually, we were talking about, uh, I was talking about my study and stuff and why I was doing it and whatever. And I think for him, it seemed that 
it was very, uh, I, I think for a lot of people questioning it as something that's kind of taboo in and of itself. Yes. Um, because I, I don't think that they see the processes of faith as something that's changing or organic. And, and I think that uh, just opening that up like for interrogation, I think is like such an important thing because, um, you know, just so many people that I'm even like close to, right? That's not something on their radar. Exactly. Yeah, I never grew up with that. You know, if you questioned, you were doubting Thomas and you were somehow bad, but like, right. should I, should I really be able to buy into something blindly that people can wield with such power that it can inspire holy war, which is a, a phrase I kind of choke on, but do I want to just blindly buy in when someone can utilize this structure known as faith or religion? I can't just buy into something and just trust that what they said is okay, because that's anti-intellectual and it is intellectual dishonesty in my opinion. Yeah. And yeah, and I, I would agree. Cause like I, so my, my thing, um, right. That I focus on the most is, um, Christianity and relationship to uh, anarchism and like that understanding of the world. Um, and so I think that like, for me, that paradoxical nature of faith as something that is intrinsic, like doubt is intrinsic to faith. Mm -hmm. I think that having those reversals instead of 100% uh, kind of uh, like prima facie, just accepting the base level of things, I think it's like integral to understanding any kind of complexity in terms Absolutely. of faith at all. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's to use a kind of somewhat crude analogy. It's like going from the four pack of crayons they give you at the restaurant to like no. the 96 pack with the dope ass yeah. sharpener. Like it's a whole different world. Like you could have the four pack, but. And then you get, and then you get Timberwolf. Exactly. Right? Uh, that's my favorite color. It's gray, but it. it's a special gray. <laughs> that's I love are. that you have, I think you have a favorite Crayola. Oh, I for sure do. Yeah, no, I love no it. doubt. I like that you talked about Christian anarchy because that's what I really wanted to drill into a little bit with you because folks don't actually realize that this is a thing. Uh, I think yeah. people people too oftenly conflate um, religion and, and politics. And in that you end up with a straight white landowning male on a yeah. war vessel you know, um, using the book of Isaiah to be pumped up about how the USA just dropped bombs on the Middle East. Like, yeah, Christianity is not that, but somehow in our thinking, we have like got, you know, the empire and the Bible have gotten in bed together. And I love that you come at all of your thought processes in a way that challenges that, right? And I'm so pumped yeah. that you are nerdy about that. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, and I think the thing is, is, uh, I mean, cause you're saying, you know, it's, it's something that people do not engage with or think of even as an option. And I think the main, like, like not only is it Christian anarchy, I think like even just the idea of anarchism generally, mm -hmm. I think is something that's, I mean, it's immediately frowned upon in nearly every circle, every news outlet, every, um, every political discourse. I think it's because there is a degree of misunderstanding of kind of straw manning of uh, anarchism and that kind of uh, political philosophy because uh, you'll watch the news. I, I remember um, 
whenever, you know, protests after George Floyd, um, there was a point where I was out uh, marching and my wife was at home. She has like a heart condition, can't do that. But she was texting me updates, you know, and uh, about what was being said on the news versus like what was happening. Um, and I think, and so like on the news, there was this thing where um, people were saying, you know, there's anarchy, there's chaos. And I think that that's usually the way that people go about it. They think that it's um, either lack of uh, structure or lack of uh, kind of care or even a lack of morality generally. Um, when from my understanding, anarchy is something that is inherently moralistic. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it is a moral standpoint and, and yeah. it's specifically morally driven and so um so yeah i mean because uh anarchism i mean i don't want to like i i'm just gonna get into it so like yeah go um, for it yeah sure yeah so so anarchism basically like if we were to um if we're talking about its existence in the world as it actually is and ought to be it's kind of like communism in some ways, uh, in the sense that like, uh, you know, the philosophy comes from some Marxist thought, um, but those philosophies are enacted in the world pre-Marx, pre, you know, the actual thinkers which write them down and codify them. Um, they are observed forms of community. Uh, and, and largely they're formed around a basis of mutual aid uh, and a lack of hierarchy. Uh, and what that does is that serves to exclude exploitation as a, as a possibility. Right. Um, and so even though we may observe, and I think this is what's so attractive about um, whenever we observe it in the Bible, is that the Bible itself has no conception of capital. It, it, it does not use those words. It has no conception of economics, but it does have a conception of uh, exploitation. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is, it is strictly against exploitation. And it also has uh, concepts of hierarchy, mm -hmm. which it is uh, strictly against in a lot of ways. So, um, or at least uh, at least the Christ person, as we understand uh, Jesus. So, um, so yeah, so I think that all of Christian anarchic thought has to come from the standpoint of finding its legitimacy in the Christ person, um, but also understanding it as a political ideology that can be enacted mm -hmm. um, outside of uh, current governmental establishment um, and yeah. how to rethink those, those workings in yeah. a Christian mindset, so. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting that you mentioned um, pause. It feels like we're in a discussion forum for one of our classes because I always would start off with like, it's so interesting that you mention, or I love yeah, how you yeah. said, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, no, it's good. I mean, I'll, I'll say that's the way that like I talk. My yep. uh, my my friends like they'll make fun of me because I talk in paragraphs. So like, I like I, it. You know. I am with that. I am totally with that. I, I vibe with that. Um, but I really like that you brought up that the Bible doesn't have a conception of you know capital because. Uh, I, I plan to do another episode on this in the near future, but capitalism, uh, it's what we do in America. And so in so many ways, like with American evangelicalist capitalism is almost the antithesis of Christian anarchy. And yet they both would define themselves within the same, drawing from the same person, you know, the same yeah. uh, religious text. But I really feel like the idea, capitalism in general, the idea of empire, those ideas I think do violence to the ideas that are presented in the Bible, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, because I mean, the, I think a lot of, uh, 
the kind of capitalist propaganda, especially with the church, is a, it has a lot to do with a kind of uh, like permissiveness. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of that you it wasn't expressly mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're going to say that it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, when the better, deeper thing would be to say, what is similar and how does it affect those things? Like, how does, how, does Jesus, how does Jesus and his followers, how do they interact with those other things? And yes. like, uh, for instance, I, like, I think a great example would be like, um, you know, uh, the whole, you know, coins uh, whenever they're talking about uh, paying your taxes right they say mm -hmm. should we pay you know should we pay to Rome right they're exploited power whatever yeah I think that a lot of people will take that passage and they'll say you know like um, Jesus says give unto Caesar what is Caesar's right mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people will say pay your taxes right mm -hmm. uh, you know it's um, it's just very straightforward you give your money but whenever you look at what he's actually saying a lot of what he does is actually deflecting and saying this is not the question you should be asking mm -hmm. right like it's given to caesar and to caesars is not just pay your taxes it's not mm -hmm. buy into what's going on it's saying your money is not yours yeah don't worry about you're right it's it has to do with ownership fundamentally it's saying caesar owns this give that back to him mm -hmm. because that's not your concern and so i think that for a lot of those passages i think that they are just taken based on the easiest translation or the easiest interpretation or just the quickest one yeah and i think largely if we if we contextualize those things historically it's much deeper you know, yeah Absolutely. And that's so frustrating to me because I, I mean, as a queer Christian, I've been fighting to validate myself for 12 years now. Fun yeah. fact, 12 years ago today, I came out as a lesbian and we've, we've obviously turned some corners since then, yeah. but um, you know, yeah. m the first of my four coming outs uh, right. were, were, you know, was, was 12 years ago. Uh, so I've, I've yeah. been used to, to, to exegeting uh, for those of you who are watching exegeting means like letting the text speak to you through its context not putting your context onto the text. So, so I was really trying to study to see what the scripture was saying about me as a person. And it's really, it really, really changed things when I took things out of uh, a context that I didn't even know I was programmed into. Like I was programmed into straight white American evangelicalism, capitalism, Republican, uh, rural, like I was programmed all those ways. And, and I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm just saying I, they were there subconsciously, right? And so when I started to have to deconstruct um, so as to understand myself, that's when I started to be like, wait, I think that there's something amiss here. You know what I mean? And I think that that's something that Christian anarchy in particular brings to the forefront is kind of a, I hate to say primal, but it was a, it was a fundamental elemental part of Christianity that we've lost. Yeah. And so now yeah, some mean, parts just seem crazy. Yeah. A great, a great example of the fundamental aspect of this is kind of, there's a, there's a portion that I, I've actually heard a lot of people use to actually kind of condemn that kind of communistic or anarchic mm -hmm. understanding. And it's the passage where uh, I believe Paul is talking about, I, I, I want to say it's Paul. I don't have anything in front of me to determine, but we all know the passage It's the one where he's talking about working with your own hands. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, yes. And I think that, and the thing is, is like people take that as like 
do your own work, get your own wage. Mm -hmm. But instead, what we what we actually see is a lot of communal ownership, mm -hmm. uh, separate from governmental powers, separate from those other uh, systems of care of people caring for each other, mm -hmm. uh, and largely in resistance to the government. The government wanted them to be dependent on them, but they created systems of care between themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but what he's saying is not, hey, you get your you know, you get your wage for your earnings, don't take from other people. What he's saying is um, you make sure that you are working so that nobody can look down on the way that you're sharing communally. Because mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest ways of people talking, you know, against mutual aid or whatever is why should someone else who's not working get what I'm getting? And I think that what he's saying there is the, def the basic defense is let's make sure that no one can say that, you know? Yeah. And a lot of what he does is say, uh, in his other letters, you know, when he's talking about head coverings, things like that, is like, let's make sure that like, if they are doing this and they consider this to be moral, that we are at least, um, that we are beyond reproach in, mm -hmm. in terms of yeah. the common uh, arguments against what we're doing. Absolutely. And so I think that like, yeah, yeah. So digging deeper into the fundamentals of those things is saying that like, there was a point where Paul says, it is so important that we can keep these communal sharing mm -hmm. uh, means of ownership, mm -hmm. that we keep this the way that it is, that you make sure that you're working so that we never lose this. That's how right. fundamental it was to the early church. And so right. like to see that now just go away so quickly yeah. is because uh, I mean, within the first, you know, second, uh, third centuries, right, that's completely gone in yep. favor of like feudal lords and things like that so um so yeah no the fundamental aspect of it is important and i think that what you said about the exegesis is part of it right you don't want to inform onto it and i think that a lot of times whenever i explain it to people the thing that i want to make sure to keep away from is to say i valued anarchism first mm -hmm. and then i value because i think that for me it came from, there was Christ. And then I discovered a political ideology which matched up with the thing that I found in Christ. Yes. And which I found in the church. And so I think starting from that baseline is very important because, mm -hmm. uh, because obviously I don't think that you would have really any uh, backup or you wouldn't have any reason to do right, if you're saying this is Christian anarchism. Mm -hmm. If it starts out as anarchism, it's uh, anarchism, which is Christian, is not fundamentally Christian, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it's more so anarchism. So I yeah. think that keeping it with the, the Christian aspect and where we're actually deriving those things from, I think is like incredibly important to yeah, understanding that's it. It's a big difference because it's almost like, um, it's it's the source of it, right? Like the source of your, your ideology came from your understanding of religion yeah. and of your belief system, right? And yeah that's a very, it seems like a nuanced difference, but it's not because especially when you're talking about Christian anarchism, like I personally am of the opinion that if you are comfortable with American evangelism, capitalistic mentality, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, I think you missed the whole damn point of the book. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, did because, you like, read the Bible ever? I get that yeah. question all the time and I'm like, bitch, I read it in five languages, two of which were the originals. Like come at me when you're trying to defend yeah. the King James version okay let's let's move past this you know yes and there there is no I mean there's no room for individualism which in, in a religion which centers a man who emptied himself to such a degree that he took on all of the actions of the entire world right and maybe that's like 
kind of, I mean, I, I have different, I don't want to get into atonement theology or whatever right now, but let's just say, you know, in some way, emptied himself to such a degree that became victor over, you know, sin, death, life, whatever, um, uh, apotheosized, became God. I think that, um, that there isn't any individualism in that. There, right. There's one individual and, and everyone else is uh, supposed into that. Right. Yeah. And, and the goal is to kind of come into that community. And so, yeah, I don't, I think that individualism is so alien from mm -hmm. uh, that entire, entire mode of thinking. I don't think that it's, yeah, I would, I would totally agree. Absolutely. Like, I love that point too, because uh, it is, it's a, like, it's a bringing into, and I right. feel like that's the nature, like, that's why we constantly see Jesus in the, you know, the, the, the context or the motif of, of breaking bread with people, like Jesus is bringing people in. And when you start to get into that, you know, like capitalistic, um, you know, super political modern day understanding of things, it becomes so much easier to exclude. And that's yeah. like, Jesus was never in the process of excluding. And so so here's a big, here's a big theological difference that we encounter when we push up against the edges of the scriptures or what we've been told the scriptures say. Like I take it serious enough to think that, uh, you know, primarily I think the Bible was God inspired, but I think it was written by man and then it was translated by man and then it was translated by man. So I think there's some good stuff in there, but I think we've got to really drill down into what's actually happening and get back to the real heart of it and take it out of the hands of the, you know, straight, white, cis, male, landowning, uh, you know, Republican yep. people, whatever, like the people in power. The Bible right. wasn't written for them or by them, right? Yeah. We got to get it back to the point where, hey, we're all in this together fighting the man, essentially, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, we, um, I don't know if, if you were... Uh, I don't know if you, you were in this this class. I can't remember which ones it was, but yes. I feel I feel like we had like the same conversations. Uh, regard, like, I, I don't know. I just feel like I was, yeah, anyway. But I, I think that um, there was one where we were talking about uh, the Deuteronomist uh, mm -hmm. and the ways that the Old Testament is uh, kind of the way we understanding the order and structure of that. Mm -hmm. um, and also the way that we understand the, uh, the priesthood's influence over that text. Yeah. Um, I think that that is a great example because we have this instance where uh, the way that it's written is for a particular purpose of promoting um, priestly interest, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think that even when we look at, I think that a lot of people would say, well, for the majority of Christian history, we do not have these anarchic communities. Mm -hmm. I think that we can observe those in certain instances and the ways that power plays to subvert those things and then things actually get dicey. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, you have the original text for uh, the, you know, Deuteronomy, uh, Joshua, Judges, those things, those things get edited um, and then they get changed for a particular purpose. Mm -hmm. um, with Christian history, we have this situation where we have small uh, individuals going off to deserts, mm -hmm. beginning to read scriptures, mm -hmm. separating themselves from establishment, mm -hmm. creating communities where they farm and create their own means of production and share those with each other freely. Yep. Um, and then that's superseded by feudal lords coming in, uh, a lot of like, uh, and we, we would call that monasticism, and then the uh, you know, these people come in and they start establishing dowries, right? So you, you can't get into the monastery if you're just anybody, you have to pay a certain fine because at that point we uh, don't have state power, right? But we have uh, we have kind of a corporate power. We have uh, hierarchy 
hierarchy of a, of a different sort. So, um, and I think that's the difference between communism and anarchy particularly and why it works for Christianity as opposed to communism is because mm-hmm. communism says that state power is ultimately beneficial to that sharing and ultimately mm-hmm. to that redistribution. But what anarchism would uh, suggest is that it doesn't go far enough in, in, in that state, uh, the state powers can also co-opt that mm-hmm. kind of exploitation. I see um, the line I, you're making there for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that for, for us, it's the thing where you're moving away. We see these instances throughout history, even though there is a predominant narrative that is saying it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. but it does exist at certain okay. times. Yeah. Um, but the way the reason that it goes away is because those other non-anarchic capitalistic powers, perhaps feudal at the time, um, or you know, the powers that would become capitalistic, mm-hmm. those things take over. And so yeah. those things do this throughout our history. Um, yeah, they've been popping up all along. Like if you go back to the his to the early history of the church, I mean, like for those of you who are watching, uh, this was something I just studied this semester. So I'm really passionate about it. And I'm actually in the process of authoring a book um, entitled Queering Church. Don't try to write one title that or I'll chop your fingers off. But, <laughs> uh, but my fundamental thesis of the book is that the church was always queer. And by queer, I mean, it was not categorizable, right? Queer means tearing down any unnatural binary division. The church existed in the fields, at the shepherd's altar, out in the forest, in someone's home, in a little shrine. Like that's how it started. And I think that these different pockets of communities, be them nuns, be them, you know, behinds, be it, be them monks, be them, um, you know, even uh, modern day communal living communities, like uh, that people, I know is really big in evangelicalism to have like a community house stuff. There are pockets of church communities that have always existed based on this communal sharing of resources and coming together and group ownership. And that has consistently happened throughout church history, but because it threatens the American system of capitalism, we're just going to cover over that. You know, we're just going to push them off to the side or call them a heretic or call them an apostate or just in general say it didn't work. And you know what I mean? But those types of communities keep popping up throughout church history if you really look seriously. Yeah. I I mean, I I would bring it back to, I mean, I don't mean to like bring up Marx too very much, but like I think that like uh, a big part of, you know, Marxist thought is not necessarily that this is something that he, he's not suggesting that uh, he's not creating anything new. Mm-hmm. He's saying this is an observable fact. Communism happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, anarchism happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is, is that the struggle be- between anarchism and like the bourgeoisie, right, or the state powers always creates these crises mm-hmm. because the state powers are going to exploit in such a way as to prevent it. So mm-hmm. the thing is, is you, it, this will always happen. This will always occur. And it's always going to create crises in any community, mm-hmm. but it's going to be, uh, until you eliminate those exploitative powers above, you're going to keep having those crises. Mm-hmm. Um, you keep having, you know, he brought up, you know, the feudal lords, um, the peasants would revolt, right? Because mm-hmm. you've created a, a system of constantly operating at surplus for greedy purposes. Um, and then that creates a crisis with the workforce. So mm-hmm. they they will uprise, right? It will create a crisis, things will reform, and then it'll take a different form entirely. So mm-hmm. I think that for this is, is like Christian, I think that anarchy is so 
um, as kind of this communal anti-capitalist anti-state form is so fundamental to Christianity that it will continually uh, be a part of its yeah. history and, and continually come up until it is the full picture of what we do as Christians. Yeah, um, yeah. It's almost like it keeps bubbling to the surface because yeah. it's there, right? Like you can't yeah. deny it's there. You can't shut it down because it's the base of it all. Yeah. I mean, I, I would even like, I think that there are some ways that, you know, ideology, people will talk about, hey, this is a very ideological form, right? Mm -hmm. This is a very, um, when, you know, there, there are many, many systems, many other like ways to, I think that people don't recognize the degree of diversity within those trains of thought. There yes. isn't one, anarchism. there are many, many of them. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that uh, one thing, I think that I wouldn't even shy away from that because I think that um, Christianity, I think it has those ideological at times even impractical ways of going about radical love and radical compassion because yeah. i think you see jesus breaking bread with a certain amount of bread right it's he has a certain degree of material um and he distributes it into an impossible amount of people mm -hmm. and i think that the idea i think we constantly see this uh this push from the christ to uh to give uh in times of impossibility right mm -hmm. i think that it, even in particular in capitalist societies where there is uh, little, I think that there is still a great incentive, at least from a Christian standpoint, to enact that compassion regardless of what it costs us mm -hmm. personally. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I, I think, it's, you know, it's, it's recommendable at, at all times. You know, it's, yeah. I think that people get too focused on what can we do practically instead of what can we imagine to do right. instead and what right. can we attempt, you know. I love that too, because there's so much, um, one of the, you know, one of the things I come up against a lot in just my level, my existence is essentially revolution. Like just yeah. me breathing in the morning is, a, is, yeah. is re something revolutionary that I need to right. protect in some level. But um, I, in my course of existence and kind of uh, like challenging a specific evangelical pastor in town and a specific ideology that's pretty common in American capitalism. Like the idea is uh, we're about charity, but we don't give to those who are lazy. You know what I mean? I heard those specific words from, yeah. from a pastor in a pulpit. That's it, it, a couple hundred feet that way. And I, yeah. I, I heard that and I was like, what in the fuck? I yeah, never like, read no, that in any Bible verse. Give to the lazy. Like, I don't see why. Yeah. Because I think that like, there is that degree of like, uh, like sin where like we are like shaming people, and I say we just very generously, yeah. but like you know, I, I think it's like that I, that focus of saying like we protect the good people mm -hmm. and we alienate the bad one, and I think that what that does is that it keeps bad people bad and that you know and it doesn't bring anyone in or offer anyone support yeah. um you know we see that with like prosecution the prison industrial complex right we mm -hmm. see like uh like punitive systems do not work accountability works right um but punitive stuff doesn't work and largely and i think and i'm glad that you brought that up because what that shows is that poverty is not some natural thing mm -hmm. that occurs it is a punishment, right, yeah. for particular people. Yep. It's, um, we have, you know, I, we, I, I live in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I have, uh, I live in Oklahoma City, grew up in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. um, we recently had, I believe it was the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, what that does, what that event does, is it creates generational wealth 
yes. within white communities and it robs it of black communities. Mm-hmm. And so all poverty in Tulsa among black individuals is a direct punishment for being black, right? Like, so I think that, and you'll find this anywhere, right? Yep. It, I mean, it's not, um, you can look at any town, any system, uh, like uh, any degree of uh, redlining, right? Any Southern city will have it. A lot of Northern cities will have it. Yep. Um, like it, it is just a, like the systems that we have, the capitalist, you know, the ideology says, this is what you get for being good. This is what mm-hmm. you get for behaving. This is what you get for being, you know, working hard. Yep. But in actuality, it's, these are the way, right? These are the people that we approve of. These yep. are the people that we disapprove of. Yep. And we're not going to care. And I think what anarchy does is it allows people to find that, especially Christian anarchy, is we can find that those, uh, we can find those people valuable. Those people can find value in the, of themselves, but they can care for themselves, right? Yes. The anarchy creates autonomy. It allows them to uh, not only they can care for their own community without informing on others. Mm-hmm. And I think what that does is it, it deprives people of, right? I think that there's a, uh, people ignore the passage that talks about there's no uh, slave nor free, right? There yeah. is no, um, there, it, largely that passage goes on to say that there's no nationality, right? Mm-hmm. If, we, if we break these things up is those borders, those systems, right? Um, those are exploitative hierarchies, right? Mm-hmm. That we, if, by saying there's no slave or no free, you're saying there is no slave class. There is no uh, class that's dependent on another class in order to uh, receive their living, right? Mm-hmm. So that they, they don't have to ask permission to live. Same mm-hmm. thing with gender, right? There is not a gender that requires uh, another gender's approval in order to live, in right. order to thrive, in order to flourish. And I think that all of those things are present. Um, and I think that ignoring that just saying that this is the natural way i think it's just a farce you know Mm -hmm. it's just nobody um it's not the way that things are materially in any way yeah because it's not empowering autonomy and then it's punishing you for not being autonomous uh it's a it's a double uh it's a double negative in a sense you know what i mean and i think that you know what from the argument that you're making which i i happen to be pretty persuaded with already is yeah. uh, an almost a, a kind of compassionate autonomy that is generated because of Christian anarchic thought, right? Like yeah. we believe in your ability to support yourself and to be a vital part of this community. And it's non-punitive. Like you just get to exist and be valuable. And of course, there are always people in society who are going to struggle. We're always yeah. going to have people who can't make the grade, so to speak. We're going to have people who by their own right, or, you know, just natural selection kind of thing, like freak of nature, whatever genetic anomaly are going to be, you know, differently abled or have, you know, mental health issues, or I mean, maybe are, are some people just born bad? I don't know. Is that a possibility? There's always going to be a fray, but I think that right now the fray is demonized. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is like, ultimately that those, those things, right. They, they do not, uh, like matter so much to the way that most people function or should function. So exactly. we would say, you know, right, to each according to their need, right? Um, everyone provides an order, like, a, I forget the actual quote, but you know what I'm pointing. The, it's essentially that like everyone gets what they require and everyone gives what they can. And if you cannot give, then you don't give, right? right. You, you give what is able, what you are right. able to give. And so I think that, um, with those things, like those, uh, you know, so let's say that we had, uh, I, I actually have, um, let's see, where did it go? 
Oh, it's way up there. I think there's a book called, um, I think it's What About the Rapists, right? Okay. It's, um, it's about um, if you were to eliminate the prison industrial complex, right? What, what would you do with those people? And what that does is it, it suggests methods of accountability mm -hmm. um, in certain communities. And that's been a huge part of the political thought of anarchism for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what, I think Christianity geared towards answering this question because it's um, interpersonal. It provides solutions for those things. It, it requires accountability. Um, it is inherently uh, concerned with the improvement of individuals um, and it, uh, growth of change, of learning about yourself. Um, and I think that ultimately you brought, I mean, you brought up too, there's um, the degree to which people have this autonomy and they're able mm -hmm. to take care of themselves and how Christianity is perfectly suited for that. I think that um, one thing to note too about it is that with Christian anarchy, because anarchy is, is so, I'm not going to inform on you, mm -hmm. right? You're going to inform together. I think that a, a important piece of that is to go forward in such a way as to um, not require other people to be a part of the Christianity first before you create those systems of care, right? And I think that we find in uh, the Bible, right, we see all these ways of people creating those communities and also providing for each other very materially. Yes. And I think that if we expand, I think that we largely think of it as something that's thought, right? Mm -hmm. I technically believe that Jesus is the son of God, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but I think we have entirely ignored all of the material suggestions for how we should live, right? Um, we look at the poor and we give to the poor. We take our money. We do not give services. We don't give, um, right? I mean, you can, but we don't uh, set them down. We don't set them up on a kind of program for addiction or whatever. Like you can do that. You can do those things. But ultimately that has to do with their belief. And mm -hmm. if you are not providing for their physical needs first, right? People being fed is Jesus's first concern. People being right. healed is Jesus's first concern. And all of those things are very tactile. Mm -hmm. And so I think that for us, it's expanding Christian thought to not just be ideological and not just be um, this kind of otherworldly, right? But saying that it, it actually exists here. It actually mm -hmm. exists now. We cre can create systems which benefit people and cause them to flourish in ways that God would approve of, yeah. right? Um, it, I think that is intrinsic to, and I think that cooperating with other people who are already on that journey is yeah. a very Christian thing to do, even if they themselves do not identify as Christian. And so, that's the part that I wanted to, that I wanted to really highlight of what you just said okay. is that there's no prerequisite and there's no presupposition because yeah. some churches will say, you don't, you know, uh, sick people or the hospital doesn't exist for healthy people. The church doesn't exist for saved people, right? We want the sinners, right? But there's a presupposition that you will change your stance at some point to align with this and that's why right. like that's why i absolutely cannot fucking tolerate um you know just like accepting churches motherfucker i don't want to be accepted i want to be celebrated because you're trying to bring me in you're trying to hook me in and then change me and that's not what i'm about 
That's not what right. I'm about at all. And I don't think that's what the gospel was about. The gospel wasn't like, give that homeless person a sandwich and then talk to them about the Bible so that they get saved. No, it's just like, give yeah. them a sandwich, right? And just actually live out the gospel. They don't need the homily, you yeah. know? I mean, and like fundamental to the concepts of eternity. I mean, and this is the, this is the frustrating thing too, is that all of these things are present within like traditional dogmatics. Like none of it is like, like this is like Catholic stuff. Mm -hmm. Like this is not even like, this is not very radical. Like this is fundamental to like a really vanilla yep. way of understanding Christianity is that you don't, you don't have to go out of your way to, right. to, to enforce this on other people. And I think that like, um, that even like people cannot manage to be, uh, conservative because they're so worried about being spiritual fascists they're, mm -hmm. they're they want to be that fundamental something that's like so alien to most of christian history even mm -hmm. even the most oppressive right like yep. you, let's be like inquisition whatever like take all that that is uh less conservative than you are because yep. you know it's like you uh, and i think another thing is that people don't realize that these systems come from the previous systems but they add to them in exponential ways so um i think like people don't realize like jimmy carter for instance right um he uh gives more money to israel than any any donations in the entire world uh up until that point in history combined mm -hmm. um and when he does that what they do is they use it to fund uh annexation of palestine and they uh, and the Gaza Strip, but they also send guns. And the reason that he gave them, them that money was to give guns to Indonesia, uh, who they were enacting a genocide in East Timor. So mm -hmm. essentially, there are the, there are these patterns of there is a capitalistic superstructure mm -hmm. which is getting worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And the more and more that you allow that, the more and more complicit you are in that. So regardless of whatever you say about religious pasts or whatever, I know that a lot of people, a lot of conservative Christians love to talk about like uh, Muslim violence, right? Yeah. In the Middle East and against Christians and that kind of thing. There yep. is no comparison in terms of the white moderate Christian and their participation in genocide globally, right? I mean, like there just isn't another more dangerous person because what they do is they allow, um, they, they vote together, right? So each person's individual vote or individual uh, support, right? Doesn't, um, may not mean much, right? But each time that they support it, each time that they participate in their, yep. the governments that they've chosen to support and put out signs or whatever, they're being complicit in all of those things uh, because they don't, uh, they don't participate in it in the same way. So exactly. Yeah, it is. It's complicit and in, 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 in so many ways, just downright antithetical to the actual message of the gospel, yeah. which I would have to argue is quite fundamentally anarchic. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, and also doesn't like doesn't like war, doesn't like uh, you know militarized, right? Very yeah. I mean, I I just I think that that is the most uh, frustrating thing because I think that um, I don't know. Like I I feel that you probably run into this too. Is like uh, it feels very obvious. Um, and so I think at times it gets hard to even explain it because it's like, where would I, where do I begin? Because yeah. it, it's not because we've gotten so far off base yep. in terms of, and, you know, I'm not even saying, cause I think that I, you know, and I don't want to be like a, uh, 
like a primitivist in the sense that like someone who's like ah oh, simpler times you know I think like right that right idea, yeah that's weird but like I I think that for me it's like um you don't even even understand the basic nature of what you're participating in now there is no way that you can get to what you ought to be or what you could be exactly. um and I think that that's that's what's so frustrating about it is because I feel that discourse hasn't changed in about you know 200 years so just, just 200 or so may or may not coincide with American society yeah no yeah yeah I I mean I'm not I'm not saying it but I'm but I'm kind of saying it <laughs> it's I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of saying all right yeah. all right well my friend I hate to say this because we are literally just getting rolling but we've been talking for almost 50 minutes now so how yeah. about let's just make a little deal here that we're going to come back on and have a second conversation about Christian cap uh, Christianity and capitalism that's great that'd be great all right we'll schedule this once we get off the zoom here but yeah. is there any way that um if people are really like inspired by your thought or would like to connect with you more or maybe ask you some questions how could folks get in touch with you yeah i think um i have an instagram um it's private but i'll accept people uh, i largely do that for you know professional purposes right but it, uh hun dun san is the first three letters of each of my names so h-u-n-d-u-n-s-a-n um, if you want to email me something longer, Hunter D Sanders at gmail.com spell okay. how it sounds. Are so, you on Facebook also? I'm very much not on Facebook. Okay. Uh, I, I have a, uh, a background photo. It's me and my spouse is my profile picture. And then I have a background of Fidel Castro playing basketball. And I think that that is it. That's, That's all, all you've I have done. going there. So not it's, it's just absent. There's nothing there. So Instagram it is. <laughs> Instagram it is. Come find me on Instagram. All right. Perfect. Well, Hunter, thank you so much. You're fabulous. I really enjoy chatting with you. As are um, you. Yeah. We got to make this happen again. So I will message I you after I had to record this next episode I'm recording. I'll message you and we'll set up our capitalism. Yeah, chat. please do. Yeah. It's been all a right. Have a good day. See you later. See you. Bye. This has been the Conversations Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. If you have any questions or comments or just want to get involved, feel free to join the conversation on social media. You can find us at Conversations Official on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining the conversation.